Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. John 8, 51 The word or words, verily, verily, are only spoken by God's only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ. I found that really interesting and had not really put two and two together until doing research for the seven nevers, this one being never die. But Jesus is the only one to ever say these words together. And it's fact, it's only found in the Gospel of John. It's not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, but only in the Gospel of John, where it's written by John a total of 25 times. Now, anybody who has known me for a while know I love the, the numbers. I don't always understand them, but I just love associating numbers with other things. And if you'll look here where you know, I just said that it's spoken by Jesus and only by Jesus, a total of 25 times. The number two plus the number five equals seven, which is a number for completion. Now that may be me stretching the imagination. It may be me stretching the definition. It may be me just stretching in general but I can't help but notice that there, that Jesus is the only one to say it, and it's spoken a number of 25 times, and it's completed. But, you know, let's, let's move a little past that. But what does verily, verily actually mean? Obviously, since it's spoken by Jesus, it's really important that we understand what the words mean. And it can either mean most assuredly, depending on the translation that you're reading. It means certainly. It means in truth. So, whenever I look at it, I'm like... I see verily, verily, truthfully, or certainly this is true, or truthfully this is certain, or truly, truly, um, whatever comes after this is 100% fact and true. You can take it to the bank, as we say nowadays. I guess you could have taken it to, you know, a bank back then as well, if they had banks. But either way, you can take it, you can believe it, and know that it is without flaw. Now, again, depending on the translation that you may read, whether it's you know New King James Version, New Living Translation, English Standard, you know, what version you read is between you and God. I do prefer King James. Um, but some translations will read truly, truly. However, it is still, you know, and I say however, not to take away from that, whichever way it is in your translation, it means that 
this is important. Pay attention to this. This is true. And it's a very majestic saying by our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. This, coming from this verse here in 851, it is a promise given to us, to those who choose to believe in Jesus. It's, it's given to us, it's promised to us, and the verily, verily that we see at the beginning of this verse should fill us with confidence beyond anything that we could really even define. You know, it's, like I said, it's true, it's a promise, and if Jesus gives you a promise, you can guarantee it's going to happen, it's going to take place, it's going to be 100% solid. And something else really interesting here is, while other people can could have said, oh, verily, verily, I say this to you, they are 100% human. And that's all that they are is 100% human, which means that they are flawed, that they are full of sin. For instance, I can sit here as I'm recording this and tell you, verily, verily, I tell you that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. You know, I may be confident in it, but I can't back that up because chances are that they won't. You know, injuries, not playing well, whatever the case is, chances are that they won't. But the fact that Jesus here promises that whoever believes in him should never die, but have eternal life with him, is solid. He is the only person that could say it, because he is both 100% man, human, and he's also 100% divine in the fact that he is God. God is the only one that can can say this. And, and I don't know how else to, to try to explain that other than maybe he's perfect. So therefore he's not flawed. So therefore, again, it's solid, a solid statement. And we know that when Jesus speaks, he's speaking true because if he lied one single time, therefore he would not be perfect. And therefore we would have no hope in the resurrection, no hope in eternal life with him. Because if Jesus lied, that means he's flawed, which means he's 100% God, which means that God is flawed. And that is not possible. The 100% div deity, divinity, not the candy though, definitely not the candy. But Jesus is 100% divinely God and 100% man. The only person that could truthfully say this. Now, you may be thinking, what, but what about death? I'm still going to die, right? Yes, you are, unless you're part of the second group that we will get to here in just a little bit but the fact is that people are still physically going to die the majority of people are still going to physically die that's that's just the way that it is but death is the one guarantee about the life that we live 
Now, the eternal life, the hope that Jesus is talking about, the never dying, is about the spiritual life that we all have, that are believers in Jesus the Christ as our Savior. Those who are unbelievers will suffer an eternal life in hell, an eternity in hell, the lake of fire, where it will be torment and gnashing of teeth for all of eternity. But believers will never once suffer that pain and torment in hell. The closest that we'll ever get is living life on earth now. Jesus's promise of eternal life of the never dying is the spiritual life where we will live with him in heaven and John chapter 5 verse 24 will go a little bit more in confirming this so let's take a look at it and see what it has to say verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 5, 24. Now, us believers, as we just got through hearing John chapter 5, verse 24, we know that Jesus has the power to give life. And we know that he has the power over death but he also has the power of judgment and that's where you know that's going to take place during the seven-year tribulation now what about this power of life and power of death I believe these two are really good and combined whenever we get to talking about Martha, Mary, and Jesus's friend Lazarus who had died. But Jesus can grant life. Jesus can grant death. You know, and that may be a weird statement to grant death, but it's trying to think how to explain this in the best possible way like when someone is suffering from you know a disease or cancer and, and they're at the end of their life and they're tired and they're hurting and every day every breath every movement is is pure agony to their bones you know Jesus has the power to bless them with death and and that would truly be a blessing. While it would hurt the others who are still alive on this, you know, earth, they more times than not would probably see it as a blessing because we still want our loved ones here with us, but we don't want them to to be hurting, to be suffering, to be, you know, just just racked with total pain. You know, here in in verse 24, Jesus tells us how we are to get that heavenly, eternal life. You know, I like to pride myself on being blunt and to the point, not mincing or wasting words. I'm not always the case, but, you know, Jesus is very blunt and 
point blank and like here it is do something with it you know it's up to you what you do with it and when going over this and speaking you know during the recording now i can't help but think of like the pictures greg maddox and you know tom glavin more so greg maddox so I mean, talk about the total artist on on the diamond on the on the pitcher's mound. He can tell you that the ball was going to be knee high on the outside corner, you know, to a right-handed batter, and it was up to you to hit it. You know, whether you could or not, you know, just depended on you. But Maddox was that good, in my opinion. You know, and and verse five and. Um, not excuse me, not verse five, but chapter five, verse twenty-four. It it really doesn't get any simpler than this verse. You know, it, it doesn't get any clearer. It doesn't get simpler. And you know, it, it's there for you. It's there for anyone to read. You know, and it's up to us to do it. We can't force salvation on someone. And as I said last week, we can't save anyone. You know, all we can do is lead them to salvation. You can't force them. You can't force it down their throat. All you can do is be a witness and tell them. Because if you try to push someone, then you're going to push, all right. You're going to push them away and make them just detest it or, or hate it you know, despise it. I mean, you come up with the word that you want to use there. You know, and I want to, I want to talk about the difference between listening and hearing because that's what we need to do when it comes to the word. We need to both listen and hear. We need, we need to both hear, we need to both listen as, and and here and you know and <laughs> i'm trying not to laugh because I, i'm thinking about this time it was at a, a banquet and they were doing the door prizes and i still remember what the door prize was it was a box of sausage from williams meat in sparks georgia whenever it was open um a box of smoked sausage links and they drew the ticket and it was daddy's number and you know us at the table knew his number and we knew each other's numbers and they called out his number and daddy just sat there they called out his number again and daddy just sat there and they called his name a third time which was the final time that they would call it and we all yelled at daddy like they're calling your number and daddy said oh i was i was listening i just i just wasn't hearing you know and a lot of people think that they're the same thing but they're not you need to do both because he he was hearing or he was listening to it but he wasn't hearing it as in the fact that he was not absorbing what he was actually listening to now what we need to do is to receive it to obey it and we need to believe the words of Jesus. We need to do all of these to the entire Bible. But if you were to pick out like something specific that you needed to do this to, because it's kind of hard to take in the whole Bible at one time, take out the words of Jesus. 
those are the ones that you need to listen to, to hear, to apply, to absorb, and to believe and to obey. You know, I'm not saying that any part is more important than any other part that is so far away from what I'm saying, even though that's what it sounds like. But if you're starting out and you really need to be spoken to, then you can't go wrong by reading, you know, the words of Jesus. And as far as I know, there's still the words in red, you know, and again, I'm not saying that any words are more important than any other, you know, because the whole entire Bible is in the Holy Word inspired by God. But, you know, just just believing in God is is good. I mean, it's okay. It's it's nice. You know, it's like, woohoo, yeah, I believe in God. But you know something, and I've mentioned this before, the demons in hell believe in God. But the difference between them and believers, like Christian believers, is the fact that we believe in Jesus as our Savior and repent. They know the name of God. They believe the name of God, but they don't repent of the things that they do. We must believe that Jesus was sent by God to be our one and only Savior. And that the sins that we have committed can only be put away through the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus on Calvary. And, you know, we need to know, we need to tell others that Jesus paid the price for us so that we would not be condemned and be, you know, headed straight to hell. That was the payment, the requirement that God had was that Jesus die for sinners. And while others may come back and ask for another payment or say that you didn't pay it and make you or try to get you to pay it again, God will never once ask for that payment again. He will never ask for that payment of sins again. It was paid for once and for all. And now we're going to get into a little bit about uh, about Martha here. I, I promised that we would. So let's check it out and see what Jesus has to say here. 25 Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. 26 And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believe us out this. John 11, 25 and 26. Have you ever heard something that you just really did not understand? You know, again, thinking about a, a, a memory for me. I, I remember sitting on the couch growing up and mama had cooked pancakes, I believe is what it was. It's pancakes or waffles one. And... Mama sat there and asked me, or stood there, excuse me, and asked me, maple or plain? And she was talking about the syrups for, you know, like I believe it was pancakes. 
Um, I can't remember that, that specifically. But I just sat there and, and looked at her. And, and this goes back to the whole hearing and, and listening thing, you know, as well. And I, I could hear, and I'm repeating it to you now, what she said. And she's like, maple or plain? And she had both bottles in her hand. Maple or plain? And she asked me like three or four times. And finally, she yelled my name and said, maple or plain? And then I understood. You know, I actually absorbed and paid attention to what she was saying. And, of course, I picked maple syrup. I mean, it's just, like, the best. But I was a lot like Martha in, in that regards. And also, like, during most of my high school classes, I could hear it, but just couldn't absorb it. But Martha here wasn't understanding what Jesus was telling her and, you know, like trying to teach her. You know, Martha's brother Lazarus had died and Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. And while Jesus is talking about the resurrection, Martha had said that, yeah, she knew that Lazarus, Lazarus would be resurrected when the time came, you know, but Jesus was not speaking about that time specifically. He was talking about the here and now, because remember, he is still the light of the world physically on earth, because he was still, you know, physically alive on earth. And, and while he was still physically there on earth, he was talking about the here and now that he was going to go raise Lazarus from the dead. You know, Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. You know, and I've heard this joke, and it's it's kind of funny, but just think about it. Lazarus is up in heaven. He's worshiping God. He's singing with the angels, seeing his loved ones that have gone on before, and all of a sudden, uh, Lazarus? Yeah. Um... You got to go back. And then Lazarus like, oh man. But it's, it's awesome that Lazarus got brought back. When we think about somebody leaving heaven, you know, being removed from heaven as being painful or emotional or bad, what actually happened is so much better. You know, not better than heaven, but what we come to know through Lazarus being, you know, resurrected, raised from the dead. Because through that, we can look forward to us being resurrected. You know, Jesus will carry us to heaven to live with him there for all of eternity. And I mentioned earlier about the two groups. Here's where I'm going to talk about them. There's two groups when it comes to the time of resurrection. There will be those that have died in faith. Those that have died before, you know, Jesus returns to earth. You know, it's, for instance, like my, my granddaddy, you know, my grandma, um, somebody that meant a lot to me, Brother Harris Whitman, you know, all of the believers that have died before Jesus returns 
will be part of group number one, those that have died in faith. They, their earthly body, their human body died, and they were believers in Christ as their Savior. Now, this is what is spoken to us, and this group is described at the end of verse 25, where it talks about those who die in faith. You know, and the other group will be the the life group, the the living group, whatever you know, term you want to put on there. I like the living group because when Jesus comes back and we are resurrected, while we are the dead in faith, there will be those believers during the tribulation that are still alive. And that is this group. And this group actually never physically or earthly dies. But instead, they will be completely changed, 100% changed. And, and it will happen so fast. It's like the twinkling in somebody's eye. It's quicker than a breath, quicker than a blink. You know, it's it, it's so quick as there's like probably less than a nanosecond. I mean, I'm not even sure if you can actually measure a nanosecond or not. But these people that are living and changed will be taken up to those that were part of group number one, the, you know, dead in faith or died in faith group. You know, and coming, and all this really comes from the fact that Lazarus died. You know, Jesus knew that he was sick. Jesus knew that he died. But yet Jesus knew that he was going to show us something wonderful. Now, while Lazarus, for Lazarus' sake, you know, it, it sucked for him to be brought back from heaven, you know, it was so much more wonderful for us because we learned, you know, shows us all of this wonderful news and knowledge about there being a heaven, that Jesus has that power to bring those back from the dead, to resurrect those dead, and, you know, to change those that are living and still alive at his return. You know, and Jesus is still talking to Martha here and ask the penultimate question, the, the ultimate question, a severely important question, you know, and and I want to end this this podcast by asking you the same question. Do you believe this that Jesus has been saying? CE 270 Antony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit, a key event in development of monasticism.